0: Welcome back to the University of Young Entrepreneurs. I'm Brennan T. Adams, and on today's show, we have Jason Bay. Jason is the founder of Gen Y Success and host of the Gen Y Success podcast show, and he he's a lot like me. We're much alike. We got connected, and I'm like, you've got to come to my show because you're speaking to the same audience. So he's going to speak to you about his story of how he was in the corporate world. He left, and then he did his own business. He's doing some consulting. But more importantly, he has Gen Y Success and his podcast. And he talks about the top ways, basically, if you're in college right now and you're trying to come up with a way uh, to start your own business, you just don't know where to begin, he goes through the process of what you need to do, the research you need to do. And we even do a little bit of a... He walks me through, like as if I was a client of his, what steps you need to go through and how to market to your audience, how you actually specifically market to them. There's a way of doing this, and it was great how he walked me through it, so it can really you can apply it to your own life for starting your own business and what steps you need to take before you even start, and then how to market to your specific avatar, which is very important and we go over that. So let's go right into it so you can hear from Jason about how he got out of his job and he went on his own for his own business. Let's get started. Welcome back to the University of Young
1: Entrepreneurs.
0: I'm Brennan T. Adams and on today's show we have Jason
1: Bay. Jason, how's it going, buddy? Going pretty good, man. How you doing?
0: I, I'm doing good. You know what? I love it because we just got introduced to each other and we both are, I feel like, the same kind of people going for the same things in life. And we had a conference call and I just kind of put you in the spot here to say, hey, let's just do a podcast show because I know you have a lot of great content to bring to my audience. But before we jump into everything you're doing, I want to hear your story of how it got started, how you got started as an entrepreneur and how it led to where you are today.
1: Definitely. So, Entrepreneurship was something I never really ever thought of doing. I wanted to be a forensic scientist in high school, so I used to watch a lot of CSI. I was like, you know what, if I could kick down doors, analyze evidence, and get to carry a gun around, that'd be kind of badass, right? <laughs> so When I went to college though, I, I quickly figured out you know, through doing an internship, I was like, it's nothing like this at all. You sit in a lab all day, and I'm a fairly introverted person, but I'm not that introverted. You know, I need interaction with people. So my first business opportunity came about really just by accident. I was sitting in a forensic science like 101 class, and someone came in and talked about an internship opportunity with a company called College Works Painting. So essentially it was run a house painting business, make $10,000 over the summer. So nice. I was like, yeah. Immediately <laughs> raised my hand, because the summer before, I stacked wood in a cart for 60 hours a week. Uh, and it was like the worst. I've done that, man. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and I have nothing against manual labor. I think everyone should do a manual labor job of some sort. But I made a promise to myself that at the end of that summer I was never going to work around people that, I was, that were miserable at, at their job. So I ended up doing this, uh, did pretty well, Run a, uh, ran a $100,000 business that summer uh, painting around 35 houses and they taught me how to market and sell the service and hire the employees. So I didn't have to do any of the painting. So fast forward about five years, I was going to leave the company and go work for another solar company in San Francisco or something. And they offered me a position as their marketing director. So that's where I learned essentially everything that I know now. The foundation for that was built working one-on-one with one of the partners of the company and getting to really work on my marketing chops. And then two years ago I left the company full-time, started another business venture that failed, but I maintained a consulting relationship with them And I still work with them. They're still one of my big clients. I do marketing consulting with them, work with a few other tech companies uh, here in the Portland, Oregon area. And that's really where I figured out that, hey, there's a lot of people my age that I think want to do this but don't know how to do what I'm doing right now or a guy like yourself. And I'd love to help those people and provide the inspiration for them to do so.
0: So I want to go back. I love talking about failure because we learn a lot about ourselves. Tell me about the business relationship that didn't work out. What happened where it didn't work out in that
1: business? Well, I think there was a couple of things that hindsight, looking back, that I made a mistake of. And the first one is that I borrowed $25,000 from my parents to start that business. And I did, so I didn't start the business in a very lean way. We were, yeah. It was a house painting business. You know, we were getting deposits from customers when we booked them. So we could cash flow the business literally right away in a couple of weeks if we wanted to. But I chose to borrow money instead. And uh, that, that's been a, a big issue obviously, uh, paying that money back was, was a burden. Um, the other thing too is that I was so quick to rush into the business that I didn't really think in a logical way why this person was my best, the best fit for a business partner. Yeah. I, if you told mm-hmm. me, why don't you just do it yourself instead of doing it 50-50 with this person? I wouldn't have been able to answer that question for you at the time. It seemed like a cool thing to do and I talked to him about it. And the biggest thing is that we just, we didn't bring the same, I think this is so important. This is why I'm so careful about business partnerships now is that I didn't, he didn't have the same level of experience as I did. Yeah. You know, I knew a lot more about marketing and starting businesses and working with businesses and doing things from scratch that he had never done before. He didn't have a lot of leadership experience either. So when you're going to get into a company with someone, you guys, if business partners need to both be good leaders. They can specialize in their other things, but they need to be good at leading people. Otherwise, why would you split a company with someone that's not going to manage any employees? So, like looking back, those are probably the three biggest things I would say that I that I learned from that experience, and it's still something that, it, you know, it's still something that bugs me to this day. Like we, you know, he's still he's. You know, re, uh, compensating me for the money that, that we borrowed. You know, so it's still something I have to live with on a monthly basis. It's not going to disappear for another year or two. So, so that's. Was, <laughs> so I guess
0: is a learning point because I I I know what it's like. It, you I mean, when you go into business with somebody, you, you basically marry them, and yep. you're you're married to them, and you gotta not to like jump into it. You gotta see what value they bring to the table and add to you to make you better, and. Because a lot of times, I mean, you see a vision with something and, like, you both are excited. And it's like, okay, we can both do this. But you got to actually sit down and analyze, well, what can they do? And I've yeah. been in the table with six people where we analyze, okay, what is it you bring to the table? It's tough. But you got to go through that process before you uh, make the commitment. But I had to ask that because, you know, everybody learns from them failures. And they end up, you, you look back on them and it allows you to become more success, successful in other things that you do.
1: Oh, Totally. So I think learning from your failure is important too. So it's it's oh. important to reflect on it and be like, okay, let's make sure that this doesn't happen ever again. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. And that's why I want to make sure everybody listening knows you get into business, make sure you know the person you're going business with because it's basically a relationship. I mean you're going to go through stuff, so much stuff. And when it comes to money, talk about the biggest stress working yep. with a group of people. So do your research and when you make that commitment right on that dotted line, you're, you're basically married. In business yep. terms. Yep. So you got past that and then moving forward, you got you were consulting for a company and you're helping them with the marketing.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so I continue. So College Works Painting, the company I used to work for, they became a client of mine. Nice. So that was pretty cool because now instead of being their marketing director and showing up to an office every day and living in Southern California, which I enjoyed for a little while, but I wanted to move back up here to Portland, and maintaining that relationship, throughout the entire time. So I think the biggest thing that I would say is never burn bridges because they're, I mean, they, they kept me, that, that kept me afloat for like a year after this business failed, you know, as I had that relationship, I, I could automatically start billing them full time hours, you know, cause I had done such a good job for them. And it's allowed me to start Gen Y success, start podcasting. I have another client now, Chamber DS, that does a lot of big mobile app development for iOS and Android apps. It's given me those opportunities to go do those things, and I just am a big proponent of not not burning bridges. You know, always ending relationships, always doing more. I mean, I helped them hire my replacement, you know, who didn't end up working out. Fortunately enough for me, I guess now. <laughs> but uh, that's that's how far I went to make sure that I I went above and beyond to make sure that the relationship was good uh, when we left.
0: You never know when you're gonna have to go over that bridge again exactly
1: because you always got to try
0: to keep things good no matter how tough it is sometimes i know what it's like but it, in life it could be 10 years down the road and it could be the opportunity where you, somebody where you burn a bridge with and say oh shit well it ain't gonna yep. work for there yep so what would be so you you jumped into it and you started your own business so what are your tips i guess you would say for anybody that was in a position like yours what tips would you give
1: them to take to take on their own business I think there's a couple of things that I had really big misconceptions on. And, and one was that I felt like it took a lot of money to start a business. So we live in 2015. You don't have to open up a brick and mortar business, right? Business license is like hundred bucks and you shouldn't even be really thinking about those things when you want to start a business. You need to find like entrepreneurship I know it's a huge buzzword right now, but an entrepreneur to me is more about the mindset and less about the technical or logistical aspects of being an entrepreneur. Anyone can start a business formally through their state and say that they're an entrepreneur, but to me, that's not an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs find problems and they fix them. So there's all kinds of different things that you can do. I think that to narrow it down, know that it's not going to cost a lot of money, so don't worry about that. The other thing is that, it it can you can do a part time business while you're working full time. That's what I recommend, unless you have a lot of money in the bank. I didn't have any money in the bank to where I could float for even two months without income at that time. So you don't need to quit your job. So I'd say the the, the two things. So to answer your question more in depth, with I think where you're going with this is well, how do you know what to start a business yeah. in, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple things. There's there's If you could picture three circles and then these all converging in the middle, you're going to want a balance of all three of these things. So your passion obviously is a big one. Like what do you enjoy doing? I think the big mistake that people make though is that they only go with their passion. So I like underwater basket weaving, let's say. Uh, (laughs) No one's going to freaking pay me to do that. Okay, that's not a sustainable business. Do you have to like it? Yes. So I think passion is the first thing to look at and just know that, Passion doesn't necessarily always come until you start doing something and you see results. So passion is like the least important of the three, I feel, because it's not going to come until you start actually doing it and see the results of something. So number two is you got to look at like what the market needs. So look at what people are already doing. My biggest recommendation is that you start a business that already has demand. Yeah. Apple is a multi-billion dollar company. They can create demand. They have a huge marketing department, they, all the PR, tech, you know, research and development. They can do that and make people, they can create a tablet that's never existed before and make people feel like they want it and need it. Uh, most people can't do that, especially for their first business. So look at what people need. What are people already paying for? I mentioned college CollegeWorks painting. On a very simple basis, they hire college students to paint houses. Mm-hmm there are thousands of house painting contractors out there, then that's good. Competition is a good thing. It means that there's a demand. People want what you have to offer. Exactly. So the third thing that I would say is, what are you good at? I think what you're passionate about and what people need are a little bit different than what you're good at. Like you have to have some sort of value that you offer. So if you, for me, the practical example for me as a marketing director was, okay, like what are the types of things that I do? What do people compliment me on? that I do really well. So one of those things was public speaking. I did a lot of traveling and speaking, so that's what made me think of the podcast. Uh, the other thing was, you know, Jason, you're really good at identifying who our customer is and like creating content specifically for those people and and getting other people to look at that content, et cetera. I was like, okay, so that's something I could help people with. Um, the other thing that I've been uh, good at is coaching people, you know, teaching people. You know, we didn't have a, a call center in the marketing department in college works uh, until they wanted me to start one from scratch. <laughs> you know, so that was like another thing where, okay, you know, you need to find 10 or 15 employees, like you need to coach them how to set up appointments, teach them how the a predictive dialer works. Oh, and then you need to do all the other stuff in your job that's required too. So like being put in that position made me realize that, hey, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at putting together systems from scratch and pretty good at teaching people how to do things with scripts and teaching systems and et cetera. So without knowing specifically what someone is in those three areas, I would say that's where I would start. Focus on your passion, what people need and what people are already paying for, that there's demand and then focus on what you're good at. And then what you can do is start identifying businesses that are already doing something similar that you want and look for, okay, what can I do differently than these people? What's the negative feedback that these people get on their review sites, or their Amazon page, or their podcast, whatever it might be, and using that feedback, and you can get started in that way. So obviously, I mean, in the simplest
0: form, passion, market demand, and then what are you good at? For anybody, that's great. I mean, I always say you got to be passionate about what you do, but don't like reinvent the wheel, because if you don't have a huge budget, you can't create this thing that nobody knows about, because you you don't have the money to market it. You got to educate the market, which is very expensive. And then three, yep. I mean, do what you're great at. You, you obviously like speaking and everything else. I love to speak too. That's why I did my podcast. I love inspiring people. And we're, we're on the same path doing the same things. That's why I'm glad we're connecting. So tell me, I want to walk through uh, which mm-hmm. interests the audience and me just kind of seeing how you would go through the process. So let's say I, let's just say this because I already have done it. I'm starting a podcast, and I want to create an online community. I'm doing courses, podcast, blog, and my goal is to be the lead. Uh, let's say for me, example, I'm, I'm a crowdfunding expert. I want to be the top crowdfunding expert in my field. Now, what do I need to do to target specifically what I'm doing to get to that point?
1: It's a really good question. So where I would start is there's three fundamentals that – and these are not like groundbreaking things that you've never heard of, but the insight that I'm going to give you into it is, is hopefully something that uh, that will help you out, man. So the, the three fundamentals are pretty basic. Number one is know your audience. Uh, number two is engage with your audience, and then number three is know how to capture your audience. Let's dig into the knowing your audience part. This is something that uh, Ramit Sethi from I Will Teach You to Be Rich has been a huge inspiration for this. I've learned a lot from him. I'm I'm a student in one of his courses and. One of the big things that I would recommend for you is, so someone in your position, you said that you want to be the lead crowdfunding expert. So what you need to do is get in the heads of the people that would be your customers, right? So who would be your customer?
0: Uh, Two aspects. So one side would be a startup who doesn't have a lot of money and they need to raise money for their idea and they they don't really want to give any equity up. So Mm -hmm. that's an approach for them. Or the other approach is a celebrity or big name that wants to do a huge launch and uh, they're basically looking for a full marketing uh, rollout. It's more than just raising money. It's basically gaining
1: awareness in the market. Gotcha. So let's focus on startups just yeah. for practical purposes right now. Yeah. So the first thing that you want to do is you want to dig beyond demographics. So I mentioned this in our pre-show, pre-show chat, right? We were talking I was like demographics, if you're running a nationwide political campaign, a person's you know race starts to become really important. And most businesses, demographics are not super useful. What, what we're gonna want to dig into is what's called psychographics. We want to know like what gets these people out of bed, what and what keeps them up at night. So the first thing I'd recommend is going through an exercise. It's pretty simple. It's goals, fears, and obstacles. Goals, fears, and obstacles. So you want to do crowdfunding, right? So let's look at people that are startups. So let's dig into even more depth who your customer is. So for that startup, your customer most likely, depending on the size of the startup, is either the founder himself or herself, or it's whoever, you know, maybe their CMO or whoever's in charge of their marketing. Yeah. Let's say that they're, let's say for all intents and purposes, it's the founder. So what would you say, and this is what I would do here is I wouldn't guess this stuff. I would actually hop on the phone with these people. I would talk to 10 people that you know need crowdfunding, and i go through this exercise with them. I would ask them, so what are your biggest goals? And you already know this because you're doing this. So what are the biggest goals of someone that runs a startup that is looking to crowdfund their startup?
0: Well, the number one that comes to mind is they want to raise the money they need for their idea so they can actually take it further. Two is they want awareness of what they're doing. They want, obviously, media attention and people to be aware of what they're doing. And three, they want to build a tribe. They want to create their own atmosphere around them.
1: All right, so raising money, media attention, and their tribe. So these are important things to know because obviously, you know, when you're creating your sales copy and you're reaching out to these people, you're going to want to know what their goals are and what they really want to accomplish. It's good that you know it's it's more than just money. So the thing that I would recommend, again, is, you know, having that conversation and I always ask people if I can record it. So I have like 10 or 15 recordings of people I've done these exercises with for my business. Yeah, You want to get the specific language that people use when they're looking for your product or your service too. Because then when you're creating your website and you're talking to these people, and again, you're a different example to use because you've obviously been doing this for a while successfully, but you know people might not refer to it as raising money. They might not use that specific terminology. And everything's different in every industry, right? So if you can speak in the language of your customer, it's gonna make your sales pages and everything else that you do more effective. Exactly. So so we know the goals of these people, right? So what would you say are the biggest fears that people have when it comes to raising money for their company? (sighs)
0: Well, the biggest thing is they, they don't even know where to begin. And for example, for a crowdfunding, I mean, they they see crowdfunding, they see the successful campaigns, but they don't even know where to start. How do you even start a crowdfunding campaign? Some may not even know how to log in. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: But uh, I guess that is one thing they fear, and another is putting the campaign out and not raising any money, and basically fearing a complete failure for the whole world to see. Mm-hmm. So that would be, I would say, the biggest one.
1: So again, now, what you, knowing this, knowing that their biggest fears are, are those things, those are the things that are keeping a startup, you know, founder up at night, right? He's yeah. worried, hey, I need to crowdfund, you know, one of the biggest things for me right now is I don't want to give up equity, you know, I have a fear of failure. Like, these are all, like, if that's the language they, they use, that would be like a perfect headline for a landing page, you know? Want to start a crowdfunding campaign, but have no idea how to get started, or. Do you have a fear of starting a Kickstarter campaign and it completely bombing? Whatever language that they use, that's the stuff that you're going to want to put on your landing page. That, that's good. That makes sense. It's good stuff. So, And the last part, obstacles. What are the biggest things keeping a startup founder from even starting a Kickstarter campaign? Maybe you've already alluded to it in some of the fears, too. But what are the biggest obstacles that get in the way from people successfully crowdfunding their business venture?
0: Well, I guess one of the big obstacles is some people obviously fear what they don't know, the not knowing it enough. I mean, it's still new to them. So kind of showing them uh, that it is a new way to raise money versus the go pitch to your uh, typical investor. Obstacles is trying, where to even begin with the campaign? How do you get people to actually pledge to your campaign? I mean, what does it consist of? How do you get your goal? I mean, if you're going to do a campaign, you need to get 30 to 40% of your funding goal raised in the first 48 hours. Your chances of success are very slim. I mean, people don't even know how to even do that. How to get traction, how to make it go viral. Like, these are the things they look at and they're like, how do I do this? Or how to set up your pledge levels in a way that people are going to want them. What do I even offer these people in terms of my services? Because you got to get more than what your product is itself. So that would be another big thing that the obstacles for them coming through, putting that content in a way where people understand it and they're willing to actually pledge or buy it.
1: Perfect. So this is all the research that you want to do before you start a business or as you're starting to get customers talking to people and having this conversation with them. So let's get to step number two, though, and how to actually use the information that we've gathered and talk about why it's important. Okay. So... Number two, engaging your audience. The reason why you're going to do this is, so you have a podcast, you're a podcaster, right? So imagine you start a podcast on crowdfunding and you already know exactly who the customer is because you've already talked to 10 of them. So instead of having a generic avatar, you can say, hey, Chris specifically has a fear of crowdfunding because he does not know where to begin or He doesn't know how to start a campaign or he has a fear of that campaign failing. So now you can create content specifically for a person, like an actual human being instead of an avatar. And once you start to do that, it's going to make your content and your podcast especially more engaging to where, hey, I'm addressing specific goals that this person has, specific fears and specific obstacles Excuse me, that this person would have, the listener would have, so that I'm attracting the same type of people to my podcast or blog that would be interested in doing business with me for their that, crowdfunding campaign.
0: That, that makes a lot of sense. I mean specifically speaking to that, that audience, which a lot of times I think people, what they try to do is they want to make the audience everyone. Well, if you yeah. can reach out to that one niche, like, like I've told you before, uh, mine is that, that kid that's a junior in college and he, he wants to do his own business and he just doesn't know what it is and he wants to do something great. And when you, you target that specific person, yes, I mean, I have, that's the majority of my market, but I do have people that are 35, 40, 50 years old that reach out to me and say, they love my podcast. If you focus on your niche, the rest will come. And I think that's the number one thing a lot of people mistake do. And I'm sure with your clients, they they probably, that's what they do for mistaking wise. They, they try, they don't have their exact avatar.
1: Yep. And it's because they haven't done this research. You know, yeah, haven't sit down and actually talk to your customer, even if you already have a business that's been going for twenty years, and you're finding that hey, like my landing pages convert really low, or my sales pages convert really low, you know, or I'm having trouble getting people to click through on my pay per click advertising. It's probably because you haven't done this exercise, and you really truly don't know who your customer is. So the other thing that the way that you can start doing this, and the other hack here, so after you found out who your customer is and you know how to create content that these people would love and enjoy the second big thing here and it's a huge marketing hack is looking for who's already gathered your audience for you so for example you know are there other websites that talk about crowdfunding
0: yeah exactly i mean that that's that's a good question finding finding exactly who's already doing it and following
1: in their footsteps in your own unique way Yeah. Or partnering up with them too, right? I mean, for example, you, you mentioned entrepreneur and Forbes and Inc and and they write articles on crowdfunding. Yes. You know, like getting a place where, Hey, they've already gathered a lot of your audience for you. Like, how can I get a PR mention, you know, from these people or something that's maybe a little more practical for someone getting started out is how could I find a marketing agency that does not provide kick uh, crowdfunding services? I could partner up with them and say, Hey, this is what I do, here's what it costs, I'll give you a 10 20% kickback on every customer you send me that you think would benefit from crowdfunding. That's just a, a, a practical way that you can do it. You can look for lots of other industries and niches and businesses that offer services to customers that are very similar to crowdfunding in this specific case and get them to recommend your services and, and incentivize them to do it. This is one of the biggest things that I help this uh, mobile app development company that I work with do, is that we found that there's a lot of marketing agencies and website agencies that want to provide apps services for people, but they don't have the development team to do it. So we create a strategic partnership with them, and they send us leads, and we give them money back for it. They're very, very incentivized, and they can make good money off leads that they would normally throw away
0: that's awesome. I mean, what you just went through, Jason is perfect. And I'm glad we went through this whole process because it's a lot of things that people don't think about when they're going into their business. I mean, they have this business and, and me knowing as an inventor too, you just want to create this product and you think that people are want it. And because you think it's the best thing. Well, the thing is, it may be the best thing in your mind, but it may be ugly in somebody else's. That's why you got to go through the pain and see what they're going through and what listen to your audience because that's, I mean, who you're selling to. And as an entrepreneur, we both do, and I've specifically done, like for my podcast or anything else, I look back in the pain that I had, whether it was in crowdfunding, it was in business, inventing, whatever, and I saw that pain, and I thought, well, what could I create that could have, if I go back in time, would have helped my younger self? And then what I do is take that approach and then approach it and apply that to my audience. And that and that's basically what we're going through the whole process, which is great. I'm glad you walked through it and make people be able to see it in a different way. So with the majority of the people you work with, Jason, what would you say would be the number one mistakes they make or uh, problem they have getting started?
1: I would say the biggest thing there is, life is all about balance. I don't mean taking time off balance. I mean balance of, of you know, people say, you should be really, really quick to start and do lean startup. And then some people are like, oh, you should wait a long time and do research and all this stuff. Well, actually, neither one of those are correct. There's probably a spot somewhere in the middle for you. And the mistake I see is that people treat their business too much like extremes. They're too quick to get into something because they've read all these articles on, on lean startup, and they don't do basic market research. Like this exercise that we just did, you can do this over a couple weeks, spend 10 to 15 hours doing it, and that will tell you if there's an actual need for that product or service before you spend all the time building out your website, building out your service offering, finding customers. Find your customers before you start the business. That's what this is all about. Marketing is not just about lead generation. It's about knowing who your audience and customer is and finding customers that will pay you to do that, that service or provide that product before you start the business. That's the biggest mistake I see people make is not do that.
0: Yeah, It's true. People just jump into it and they it, it's worth sticking the time into it because, I mean, and me knowing, especially as an inventor in uh, multiple companies, I mean, there's a lot of time involved and it's worth the time to just kind of see if there's a need for something before you take the time and the money involved to, to do it. So you're talking marketing. I want to hear – what would be your marketing tips? If somebody for business, what are your top
1: marketing tips? I would say step number one is, is doing this exercise right here. <laughs> yeah. Knowing who the hell your audience is. That is so big. And like I said, it doesn't matter how long you've been in business for. Take the time to speak to your customers and ask them if you can record the conversations so that you can literally use word for word what their fears and obstacles are. You can use those in your sales pages, I do this a lot for College Works Painting, like our sales pages and landing pages convert really, really well because it's in the language of the person reading it. So I'd say that's the that's number one. Uh, number two is use that information to create specific content. Like you have to provide value. This seems like such a basic thing now. Like in our circles, Brandon, we probably know a lot of podcasters and bloggers. Yeah, But a lot of businesses don't even do anything for free. They they don't have any free value that they provide for anyone in their company. It's like you have to do business with them in order to see what their product or service is all about. So I'd say the next thing is do something. You can blog, you can podcast, whatever it is. Give something away for free to build credibility. We're in this era right now, in the last two or three years especially, where online businesses and online marketers are just all the rage right now. And people are getting... So many pay-per-click ads popping up on Facebook and Google for the same stuff, exactly. and you got to differentiate yourself. Provide that free stuff, and, and mm-hmm. I would say that the last thing would be just—you know, off the top of my head, it would be just be patient. Yeah. If you have a, start a podcast, don't expect for it to just blow up in three months. Don't expect to make five hundred thousand dollars a month in profit off it, like John Lee Dumas does. Yeah. Like, Those are unreasonable expectations for most people. So create the content and add value for free and be patient so that you can build a good trusting relationship with your audience. Um, I would say those are the three things. If I had to add a fourth one, it would be test assumptions. The worst advice I've ever heard for marketing is, oh, who cares how it works? It just works. Let's just keep doing it. It's like, are you kidding? If you don't know how something works, you can't scale it.
0: So exactly.
1: Test your assumptions. Like on your website, install a tool called Crazy Egg on your website, and that'll tell you exactly what people click on on your page. It'll give you a heat map of how far people scroll on the page. So if you're in the online space and it's all about converting, you know, signups on your web page, don't make any changes on what you think people would want. Like actual objective analysis is will do you so much more than just guessing objectively what you think people want, especially if you're in a business where you're not the ideal customer. With College Works painting, I was not the ideal customer. I was not a homeowner in my 40s or 50s that wanted to get their house painted. You know, So use objective feedback and use objective analysis to make every decision that you make in your business. Um, use data to back your decisions before you do anything really big instead of just what you feel on a whim.
0: Dude, Jason, you gave a lot of great content. I mean, it, it basically laid it out for anybody who's wanting to start their business, what they need to go through the whole process before they even jump in. And it's really a brainstorming process. So before we go, I first off, I want to find out from you, I always like to ask, what would be your top books you would suggest to other young entrepreneurs?
1: Um, so there's a couple of different ones that I would suggest. Um, the first one would be The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I just absolutely love that. It's probably the one of the few books I've read more than three or four times. And the biggest thing that you're going to get out of that book is just the mindset of the compound effect itself. He talks about interest and, you know, like if you waited, if, if I said, hey, Brandon, I'll give you a penny today that'll double every single day for 31 days or $5 million in cash right now. What would you take? Most people would say, "I'd take the five million bucks." I'd take but a double they don't, penny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But what they don't know is that by day thirty, it takes you thirty days to make that five mil. But day thirty-one, you're making ten. But at day twenty-seven, you're only at six hundred seventy thousand and change. You know. So the whole point of that book is that it's the daily do. It's the stuff you do every single day, a little bit of, that is going to make you successful yeah, you need to sprint every now and then in life and especially in business, but it's really being in the long haul of the marathon that is really going to make you successful over the long run. And I would say the other one, I hate to mention this one because it gets mentioned so much, but the four-hour work week really, that opened my whole mind to online business. Great book. And what I, now. I mean, that just that showed me that it existed and I'm a total Tim Ferriss uh, groupie for sure. But I would say those two, those are the two that, that come to the top of my mind.
0: A Great book. I actually just met Tim Ferriss last week. It, it was pretty cool. cool. Yeah, right at awesome. uh, the Tony Robbins event. But uh, a great book. I love it as well. Anybody listening, that is definitely want to check out. And The Compound Effect, I just got done with. Uh, another great book. And it's just consistency and doing the same thing. I mean, over time, it adds up. And especially a year. And if you can look at life and what you can do in 10 years, that is something else. So... So, dude, Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people find you if they want your help? Obviously, you've created a lot of value already for this podcast or listen to your podcast. Where can people find you, Jason?
1: Uh, genysuccess.com is the best place to, to find me. That's, you're going to find a link to work with me if you want to. You're going to find the links to my podcast, my blog, that sort of thing. And if, you, if anything that I talked about sounds interesting to you or you'd like more help on stuff, feel free to email me too, Jason at GenYSuccess.com. Those are going to be the easiest ways to connect with me. Hey, Jason, man, I appreciate you coming on the show.
0: I really appreciate it, man. Uh, in the meantime, you know what time it is, guys. Go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable, because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody. really enjoyed having jason on the show please check out his website genysuccess.com we'll have everything linked on the notes there uh, with the blog and everything else about him but be sure to check it out i really enjoyed having him on the show he's a lot like me we're like-minded we're talking the same audience and our goals are similar so check all that out and hopefully maybe you'll even hear me on his podcast show next we're working for me to get on his show so Hey, if you haven't done so already, check out our campaign. It is actually trending right now on Indiegogo, the Young Entrepreneur Convention campaign. It's trending, and we are killing it right now. We're having a lot of traction, and it's awesome. And you need to be a part of it. Everybody else is doing it. You need to do it too. You want to join an awesome event in Des Moines, Iowa, April 22nd and 23rd. This is the event for you. And for some reason, you can't make it. I mean, we got people from all over the country coming to this event. But if some reason you can't make it or something goes wrong, we have it where we're going to be live streaming the event and also where you can access it later so you can't you won't miss anything. So that insurance enough. That that is worth it, especially for $29 a ticket just during this campaign. So don't miss out. Go to you can either go to young entrepreneur convention.com. There's all details there to go to our campaign. Or just go on Indiegogo or trending under Young Entrepreneur Convention. Join the movement. Pledge to campaign. You do. I'll send you a personal email thanking you. And I really appreciate your support. It means a lot to me and the rest of the team for everything we've worked for to get to this point. So that's it for today's show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. And in the meantime, go out there, create something great and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan T. Adams. Have a great day, everybody.